Fashion and beauty are serious business. On this podcast, we will hear from amazing creative entrepreneurs. Join us as we explore their unique success stories, learn from experts, and hear about their journeys. Steve Jobs famously said that, the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. So let's get crazy. I'm your host, Ann Zuckerman, and this is the Just Wanted to Ask podcast. Ladies, have you ever had one of those uncomfortable headlight moments? Don't you want to be heard without distraction? Bezzy broad discs are your solution. Go to justwantedtoask.com and look for Bezzy broad discs. Hello, everyone. I'm thrilled today to be with Jennifer Manicharian. Today, we'll be speaking about Alphabet, her latest book, um, and it is her first novel. Uh, She put much of her personal and professional life experience into writing it, having been a family therapist and divorce mediator. Jennifer's credits include being a Broadway and off-Broadway producer, screenwriter, and screenwriting teacher. She co-wrote and produced the films Family Blues and Boundary Waters, which is we'll be speaking about because it's in production, as well as being uh, the book writer of two musicals that are streaming online, Mary Harry, and a full-length musical, and Cockroaches and Cologne, a short musical, and quite charming. Uh, She is a proud board member of New York Stage and Film, uh, the Peace Studio, and 18 by by vote. Uh, She's married with five children and many grandchildren and a great-grandchild. On the way. On the way. (laughs) So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I, in fact, I saw a picture of the bulge today. <laughs> oh, that's so exciting. No, it's nice. It's sweet. I'm very that, happy. That's really exciting. So when did you first envision backstories of people? As a child, did you imagine the lives of people that you met? Oh, what an I I mean, that's such an interesting question. As a child, I don't, I don't recall that um but i think i stories have always interested me i i i see myself basically as somewhat of an outsider and i feel like outsiders are looking in the window and seeing things and projecting things and having a different view because i've never i've never fit within a niche i'm i'm just i just haven't i've always even when i went was a kid and I was in grammar school, and I went through the same grammar school until uh, through to the end of it. And so it was mostly the same people, and it was small class, but I never fit in one group. And, you know, girls are very clicky. <laughs> but I would kind of hopscotch. I mean, I did have my main group, but I would hopscotch. I've never felt, like, limited by, this has to be my group. <laughs> so um, and that really doesn't answer your question. But backstories? I think I think I think of it more as stories, and then the more you know about people. In fact, as you mentioned, I was a family therapist, and you really 
part of your job in terms of trying to help people is to get kind of a three-generational history of people. So it, you don't see people in isolation. You see them within a context of a, of a larger group of people. So people and stories have always interested me. Um, you know, I come from a family. We're all readers. Uh, we love, we're kind of arts-oriented, love movies, <laughs> theater. It's all about stories. So I think it's just kind of a lifelong interest. And when did you start writing? Well, I mean, I could say that I've written all my life in different ways. Writing to me is kind of how I formulate my thinking um, more than anything else. It's um, it, if it's personal, you know, it could be journal writing, whatever. When I was a divorce mediator, I had um, written a couple of articles for like uh, professional journals and things. But in terms of kind of more, you know, creative writing, arts writing, I've I've always, I mean, I've written movies. In fact, <laughs> I don't know how many years this goes back, a very long time. Oh, God. But I wrote a movie and it was, I actually had a producer who wanted to option my movie. And I'll never forget it. I had gone to the uh, office of the lawyer trying to come up with a deal that I would make with this person. And I mean, this was long before I was even in theater. I don't, I don't even, I mean, it was that long ago. And I go into this lawyer's office and he was kind of somebody who'd been around forever, been there, seen everything. Right. And in back of his desk, he had like stacks of scripts. And basically he said to me, you see all those scripts, probably none of them will ever get made. And they were offering me a deal that was probably, I kind of really kicked myself afterwards. But I, the only thing that stopped me from signing a deal with this guy and whether the movie would have ever been made, I'll never know. But it was, he wanted like a three month or a six month kind of a freebie period where he could try to find out if he could get financing for it. And I said, no, I'm not giving you a freebie. Don't ask me whatever made me make that decision. It's because it was because I, I, I didn't know enough about it. I, I mean, in in retrospect, he may have never gotten the financing. None, it may have never happened anyhow. But I killed that deal myself. Um, but but so that's how long ago I was thinking stories, film stuff like that. So I I just think it's always been in my in my thinking. I have a stack of things I wrote. I wrote a lot of plays. Um, just for myself. And then I would have them printed and it would be, that was before we had all the printers and everything to do it at home. And I just have always, it's just always been an interest. Well, we'll get into the characters of the book, which are absolutely fascinating. Um, then, but there was, there's a question that I wanted to ask before that. So your main character in Alphabet is um Bet is a very strong woman. Mm -hmm. um, in another interview, you briefly mentioned the women's movement. Um, expectations of women in those days, and this is quite a long time ago, were totally different. Um, when I was growing up, uh, there were a lot of uh, limitations women saw themselves in only certain roles. 
But then you went back and became a family therapist and a divorce mediator. How did that play into um, your character and your thinking about um, her strength? Well, um, there's so many answers that came to me as you were talking. I mean, I'm older than you are, and Bet is older than I am. And for me, I was like at the cusp of it. When I mean, virtually, when I was about 30-ish, and I had four children when the women's movement really went into high gear. And I also had dropped out of Barnard, so I didn't have a college degree, but I had a yearning. <laughs> and I and to do something. And Bet to me is somebody who's like 10 years or more older than I am. And I don't think it would have been, it, it wouldn't have hit the same way, I don't think. I don't think she thought about it. It was like the ship had fat passed. She'd made her life. Uh, but for myself, for me, it was like something I knew I wanted to somehow find a way into and ultimately did. I mean, I started working part-time the year my youngest child was born, my fifth child was born. And it's a very long time ago, and I've been working ever since. But I also had five kids I was raising. So I was doing, I was trying to be, to be everything to everyone, and God knows how many people I failed. But it's it's an impossible it's an impossible task. But um, it, when I was in uh, graduating high school and getting ready for college, we all all of us in my class. I went to a private school. We all went to college, but nobody really was going to college. It was like a waiting game, you know, waiting to when you're going to find the guy. It, and one person in my class, interestingly. And unfortunately, she's she's no longer alive, but she became a very uh, prominent person in Connecticut politics and she became a lawyer. But she became a lawyer simply because she didn't think anybody would marry her. I mean, it's really funny, but it, she wasn't her. It wasn't like she wanted a career. It was like she felt like she was going to be passed by. She would never get married. And she ultimately got married and had three kids and became lieutenant governor of Connecticut. I mean, <laughs> but it was almost like by it wasn't by a life choice, like a direction. So I feel like Bet in my book is a woman who's kind of past the woman's revolution. Um, my own mother, however, who was born in 1905, my mother was very ambitious and very driven. And I, to be honest with you, I understood more my own drivenness after my mother's death over 20 years ago when I read her journals. And I read about how she felt like she could never do enough and she wanted to do this and wanted to do that. And so I feel like it was it was it was both something that was happening in the culture at that time and it was a strong well, you're younger than I am. So it's really interesting to hear like it wasn't as clear for women of your age because at my time, people were, you know, there was, you, you were either guilty one way or the other, guilty because you were working and abandoning your kids, and, and, or guilty because you weren't working and you were, quote, unquote, just a housewife, just a mother. It's, I mean, it's, it's interesting how it's affected people at all different stages. And in fact, my mother, who gave up an incredible career, she had a very, very successful career. 
But when she got pregnant with my older sister, she felt like you couldn't have that kind of a career and, and have children. And she had to give up what she was doing. And she kind of translated that drive into doing things she could do at home. And she might as well have been working, to be honest with you. She was so focused on it. But she was writing cookbooks and garden books and articles about breastfeeding and spring cleaning and everything that you could do in the home that a woman could do. She was trying to find a way, some kind of a career path for herself. And in fact, ultimately, when we were grown, she had a very, very successful and one of the first uh, cooking schools in New York City. Amazing. Yeah, it, it, it was a totally different time. And in some ways, it's coming back full circle. There are a lot of women who are working outside the home, but also have home-based businesses. And so in some ways, it's in today's world, a lot of young people are are doing both. But, well, at, but that's, I, I, I found for myself personally, that working from home, it's like it's a no-win situation. Because when you're home, your kids have an expectation. Maybe some people, I mean, I know writers, I know there's a couple of very successful theater writers, and they have they work from home, but they have like real rules about when mom is doing this, you do not interrupt. Well, I never I never was capable of getting making that happen. But those are she took them, you know, they took themselves really seriously and they were the breadwinners and you know, they had to set that boundary. But it can be very hard to work at home because kids have an expectation of you when you're home, which is different. If you say goodbye, you go off to your office, even if it's like a quarter of a mile down the street, then you can do what you want to do. And it's different. Sure. That's just, that's just my opinion. Although maybe people today are much better at it than I was able to be. No, it's interesting. I think there are a lot of young women who are still struggling uh, with that. And I've met quite a few of them. Um, so you transition from screenwriting and the theater to a novel. Uh, what are some of the challenges in the transition, uh, the character development, and uh, what were the largest challenges for you in the transition? Well, when you say I transitioned, uh, I would Rather than that, I'll say I added because I, I don't, you know, I'm still doing other things. And at the moment, my focus really is on writing, uh, novel writing. But, you know, no matter what form you're writing, to me, character development is kind of a base. You gotta, you've really got to know your characters before you do anything. To me, I, those, the people will live with me quite a long time before I hit the keyboard. Um, and there's a, it's, uh, you know, I think when you pick people who are, if you, I don't say that you can't do this, but for myself, particularly with my first novel, they have to be people I felt in some way I could know who they were. You know, if I had picked like a farmer in Kansas, I wouldn't have, you know, wouldn't have, it, I just would have been very hard time getting into that, who that person is. But the people that I chose were all people that, one way or another, I felt I could know who they were through people I know, whatever. So, so the idea of uh, always, I think the hardest challenge, there were two challenges for me, and one of them has nothing to do with the screenwriting part of it, which is the challenge of writing this book. Um, 
But but to me, when you write a screen, you know, when you're writing for, let's say, a film script, I mean, playwriting is different also. It's a different craft altogether. But when you're writing a screenplay, you know, you're creating scenes. They're going to be very small scenes. And you have to somehow set the scene in a little action thing as to where you are and so forth. But the camera is going to do that a lot. Of, you, you tell the camera what they're going to be seeing. And so the camera does a lot of that work for you, which, you, which you're going to have to do in the novel. And also that the, the dialogue that you're choosing in scenes, I mean, most scenes, if you look at a screenplay, they're short. They're relatively short. And, and screen dialogue is very economical. You know, you're choosing things that are always moving the story forward and building character or creating backstory, but in a way that doesn't feel like it's on the nose. And it's very precise. In a novel, you have more leeway. Um, but the, so for me, the, the, the aspect of writing the dialogue for the people wasn't challenging, but, but filling in the scene and creating the scene. And that's, that really did not come naturally to me at all. You know, it felt, and, and I needed to work on that a lot. And I, and I have worked with other, you know, I have other writers that I, share my work with and they share those and they give me feedback and I could have never done this without them because it's not just that I when you read you also you know I can read things and I can think oh my god wish that I could write that well I wish I could write that descriptively I wish I could do that but it kind of gives you also an impetus to really think about your writing and how you want to really be bringing the right the reader into the story in a way that's not you know it can't be clunky if you've been putting in backstories it has to fit in very organically it has to be it all has to be done with a lot of thinking and in this particular writing this book um i had started i never wrote i never sat down to write a novel um it, it just it wasn't even in my frame of references to one of my it's not my it was never on my bucket list let's put it that way until it became on my bucket list and then it became and then it, now my bucket list is write your second novel <laughs> but it was once once I started doing it I, I started writing stories and then the people in my my writing group we go away for an annual retreat every year the writers and I started working on these stories and I started coming up with the idea. Can they be integrated into something bigger? One, I was thinking at some point, are these short stories? Are they any good? Are they no, they're not. <laughs> they, they don't merit short stories by themselves. But then I started thinking about, is there a way to integrate some of these characters into a larger picture? And I mean, I, it's very hard for me to backtrack the whole process, but it was truly it processes the right word. It was like an evolution where the idea kind of caught on. And I started to think about these people and these characters and, and, oh my God, I made a lot of changes, but COVID rolled around and then it became possible time-wise to do it. But could I do it just in terms of the challenge of it, of all these characters and how, how they fit into, I mean, I had people, I had two characters who I got rid of. I got, I had people who I had to, had to weave into relationships with one another that I didn't have before. So it was a real weaving. I'm doing this kind of physically with my hands, but it was like a jigsaw puzzle 
with all these pieces and how can I relate them? And I worked with a developmental editor who was fantastic. And she gave me, that was after all, whatever my friends had given to me, I felt like that's it. I can't do any more. I don't even want to look at it anymore. So I sent it to a developmental editor who was recommended to me. And she made amazing recommendations. But one of them uh, was that the, well, the, your readers haven't, your listeners haven't read it, so I don't want to complicate it by talking too much, but it was the dead husband of the woman who's the main character. I had to find a way to weave him into a relationship with all the people that kind of tied everybody together in a way that was a very, very useful suggestion to me. One, um, of, one of the other interesting parts of the book, and one of the things that you just uh, said uh, was uh, was what I found really interesting. I love the fact that each chapter is a little vignette. It's it's almost like a mini short story in itself, but it all still weaves together into the next chapter and the next chapter and the the whole book. And I thought that was really wonderful um, because there was I had such a clear vision of what was happening. Uh, I thought that was really, really great. Well, I had no, for me, I had no other way of doing it. If I, you know, from just a third person point of view story, it would have all been, it would have all been, you know, telling, not saying, you know, it all, it would just, there was no way I could, in fact, the one chapter in this book where I, where I've integrated all the characters into that one chapter is the dinner party at the end of it where it's all done from the point of view of the old woman. And that and initially I hadn't done it that way. That was another suggestion that the developmental editor gave to me. Uh, Kimberly Lim is her name. And she, and she, I knew she was right when she said it. In fact, I knew that what I had sent to her, it was, it was very choppy with everybody's different point of view, but I tried to figure how am I going to get all their stories in? what they're thinking, what they have to accomplish in this, done all through the head of the main character. And that was very hard to do. Um, but for the whole book by itself, with all the characters I had, I had no other way that I could imagine that would have made it that, I mean, maybe it could have been done, and I just don't have the skill to do it, but I couldn't figure out any other way to do it. And I think that with all the linking of everybody else it kind of worked anyhow and i like books with multiple points of view um i think i mean amor tolls does amazing books that way um i don't know if you've ever read him oh he's in one of the books that i just love and maybe i don't it's called gentleman in moscow i mean it's a wonderful book <laughs> but i i think uh, and Barbara Kingsolver has done books like that. There's a couple of, there's a book out called Horse, which is very well a respected book that's done that way. And it just, it gives you an opportunity when you have very disparate characters to to really tell their story from their points of view and to really get into their minds and into their life story without it feeling like it's all kind of too on the nose or just kind of information being given to you. So some of my earlier writing too, and the feedback I got, it was like it's it's too in, it's too much like just information. It's like reading a 
you know, like a news article or something. You got to put it in, make it a story. So I found that the only way I was able to do that. Well, but, I I truly enjoyed meeting the characters and finding out more about them and also different perspectives. Uh, I thought it was fascinating. Uh, one of the other characters that's not a character in your book is um, the building that it all takes place in, as well as New York. Right. Um, tell us more about that, because the building is an is inter integral uh, part of the story. Well, I, I appreciate that you say that because it felt very real to me and it was very real to me because, to be honest, I modeled it on my parents' apartment which was in Central Park West. Now, I moved this apartment to uh, West End Avenue. I, I just changed the location and I changed the exterior building, but the apartment itself in my head, it's one of these old pre-war buildings that they have in New York City with very high ceilings and big windows and often a lot of room that initially were rented for very little money. Nowadays, they're very, very not quite so cheap, uh, but they're amazing apartments. And so I, you know, for me, it was very real and it's in my sisters read it and they could picture everything. But I don't know if other people who haven't, you know, is it too much? Am I so is it so much in my head that I'm not able to show it to the reader so that they can see it? I don't know if they can see it the way I can, but it was I, I tried to make it as real as and as kind of I tried to paint the picture of it and to show it as much as I was able to. And in my website, I have actually in the background of the book that's kind of floating in it is my parents' apartment. It's a study of my parents' apartment because it was a, a a lot of history in that apartment, a lot of a lot of books and paintings and doodads from all over the world. And it was the woman in the book, Alf uh, Beth, has a very rich history of a very long life. She's 95. She's had a very long, very good life for the most part. And that history is, is, is kind of apparent in her apartment and in her interest. She does needlepoint. And in fact, oh, I, and I hadn't thought about it. We're talking now, but I show a dining room where all the chairs have been needle done in uh, petty point, actually. And my mother did that. My mother made all these needlepoint chairs that my children now have in their apartment. And it's, um, so it was, it was very, very teamed in history for me. And I hope if the reader gets that too, I would be very happy. I loved reading about it. I truly did. Um, and New York City for me, years ago, I, as a child, I remember taking the train into New York and walking from Penn Station to the old Metropolitan Opera House and and back. Um, oh, that was, I think, where Madison Square Garden, that's probably 50th Street? Yeah. So it was a totally different city in some ways back then. And as I was reading the book, I was envisioning Bet as a younger woman and what the city must have been like for her. Well, that's uh, your imagination went somewhere that mine didn't go, because that's an interesting thought. I mean, it's a very Upper West Side story. You know, New York City has got all these different neighborhoods and they're very, very different. However, 
you know, some of the buildings like on Central Port, the Dakota, which is a famous building where John Lennon lived, that building, I don't know, maybe it was built over 100 years ago, but that was this, they called it the Dakota because it was supposed to be so far north. The city north of that, almost nothing existed. It was like farmland. So bet at that time, you know, the New York City was definitely not the New York City that it is today. And she probably saw a lot of that growth, which I'd never really thought about. But but you're absolutely right. I mean, for example, in the Upper West Side where she lived, Lincoln Center, I don't know when I don't remember when it was built, but created, but that changed the Upper West Side too. A lot of changes, a lot of so she's she's seen a lot. She she was in fact I have I think in the first chapter she's like in a in like a Ford uh one of the first cars with her father uh, going somewhere. So she may have even seen horse and buggies place, you know, in the city. I find all of that really fascinating. Um I knew my grandfather who was um in his seventies when I was born. And so what he had been able to see and experience uh, was fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when I saw, when I read about that in the book, I was thinking about what she must have experienced. And in the book, then you take her uh, into situations where she's, She's with the people around her are multi generational and have a lot of different thoughts about what's happening and how life has changed. And I thought that was really fascinating as well. The characters that that surrounded her Mm -hmm. and their experiences and how they wove together. Well, one of she has a young night aide because she she can't walk on her own. And she has to have help, which kills her. <laughs> and um, Venera comes from Croatia. She's a young woman. And, and I think she, she envisions, she imagines this life <laughs> that Bette must have had. You know, that's just her own picture of it. But she has this view of this kind of enchanted life that she sees this woman having in this apartment and with all these pictures. And she... she um, we walk down that kind of her imagined memory lane of the life that she may have had. It doesn't mean that's the life she had, but that's what Venera sees. I I found it totally fascinating. <laughs> um, I found all of the characters fascinating. And as I told you before we started the podcast, um, when I got to the end, I was really disappointed because <laughs> it was the end. <laughs> Um, and I wanted the book to continue, and I kept saying, "But no, I want more chapters. I want more chapters." Well, so. wait for wait for book two. We will re we you will reunite with most of the characters. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to it. Um, so the 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 book is certainly available on Amazon. I encourage everyone to look for it. Um, tell us where people can find you. Well, I have a I have a website uh, where you can find out, you know, more about 
the book and people's reactions to it and podcasts and all of that. More of me than you're ever going to want to know. Uh, I, I can't even look at it anymore. But it's my name, jennifermanachurian.net. And I think you don't have the www. It's the HTTPS, you know, colon, backslash, backslash. Do I have to spell my name? Uh, no, it will no. be. All right, jennifermanachurian.net. Yeah, and then. And other than, I mean, it basically has links to most of the things that I've done because I've done a bunch of things. In fact, that little a short musical that you mentioned, we just got, I mean, it's the most miraculous little show. We have gotten into more festivals than you can imagine. We haven't made a dime out of it because we didn't charge for it. But we just got into a festival yesterday, uh, some, a, a pretty good festival. We, we've gotten into tons of festivals and even... I think one some. I mean, I don't even pay that much attention to it, but it's so interesting. The thing that we put the less, least amount, I mean, we made it during COVID, which was the most interesting part of it, because it was really quite a challenge to do. It was all done virtually. I mean, we have a virtual background. We, I mean, these, the people, we had to, am I talking about something that's not going to be of any interest should i keep oh, talking no, it was wonderful i loved it you're, you're speaking about cockroaches in cologne yeah and it's and done, it's done with a couple we had to we had to cast a couple who lived together because it was right in the raging part of covid and they and we i never met anybody we we everything was done virtually we we did the casting virtually we the costumes and and the uh hair and, and the makeup and stuff we went to the couple's apartment we were looking for anything, any couple, doesn't matter what gender, what couples, what anything, they had to live together. That was all we, and they, they, these guys were terrific and we were very happy with them. But we went into their apartment and they showed us their clothes. They showed us their, you know, what she could do with her hair. All of that was, done. those were our, how we chose our costumes and everything. And when they filmed this, they filmed it in this tiny little studio in Harlem with a green screen. and. The, the the director was the only one in the room with them, and he he had his uh, co-director. Oh, I just see a thumb yeah. in the middle of this. Is that? I have no uh, idea where that came from, um, but that, it just popped up on the screen. Anyway, so I mean, it was all they 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 had to pretend there was a bed on one side and pretend there was this and pretend there was nothing was there. Everything got put in later was graphically with this guy in California where we picked the wallpaper, we picked where the bed would be, where the window. I mean, it was really an interesting experience. Um, and out of it, we've had a lot of mileage of that little musical. Um, so I, it was, I absolutely love that. It's on YouTube. It's, you know, it's light. It's during COVID. It was like maybe what people needed, a little something, a little escape from the... <laughs> crazy world we inhabited then and still inhabit i guess i thought it was charming i truly did it was it, it, i you. loved it well um, you're my number you're, you're my number one groupie Anne. <laughs> I, I seem to be um so it, the great part about all of this is information will, will all be in the show notes so i i encourage everyone who's listening to definitely go to the show show notes and uh, you'll find links there. Um, it's been such a pleasure meeting you. Thanks for joining us. Please follow us, submit a rating and review, and share us with your friends. 
This helps our message reach more listeners. For more information about my products, visit justwantedtoask.com. Thank you.